Hello and welcome to Tammy Gindler's. This is the programme about anything, really, that you've ever wondered about the Isle of Man. Or something that we've wondered about. Or something you've never wondered about. Who knows? We're heading back west, sticking pencils through bags. Lord knows what else. So I think we should start then with heading out west. And just to remind you that last week we went on a little mission to Niarbal because Howard suggested that there was a memorial Mm. there um, that we should go and visit and find out a little bit more about. Last week, we couldn't find it. No, but you know, seek, as they say in this programme, and ye shall find. Right. Well, we're back. Don't laugh. On a lovely evening. Beautiful evening, actually. Quite late on. Amazing number of people here every evening. You can hear the birds. And see in the background. Really one of those great Manx evenings. And quite a few people enjoying it, too. Some sailboarders out and some people walking. Anyway, we're heading back to find this or have a look at this little monument to ponder over. Beth's remembered where it is this time. Oh, don't blame it on me, buddy. Uh, but we think we we are quite sure we're going to find it easily. There seems to be a, a black piece of scorched earth. Yeah. Uh, and it is. I do remember afterwards that, yes, if you come this way, i.e. from the Nyarbal car park, you can't actually see it. It's hidden. If you come back the other way and look down towards the headland, you can. Of course, I didn't remember that until later on, but here we are. Yeah, so helpful, that piece of advice there. Yeah. Still, at least the recording was there. That's the thing, isn't it? Right. Here we go. Now then, as if by magic, there is the little black spot. What have you got on your feet this time? Uh, I have got some very robust walking boots. Look at that. I'm ready. <laughs> some furry tops. Much better than the ballet pumps of last time. But it is, we would have to say health and safety thing, it is towards the edge, so you do need to take care uh, looking for this because it's uh, right down towards the edge, which is, uh, I think, unfortunately, why it's there. Anyway, do you want me to go first? Yes. Right, here we go then. If you hear a long scream and an ah, that'll be me. Uh, right, let's see if we can find... Ooh. It's just a wee bit tricky. You do need boots. Okay? Yep. So you have to head right down, as you can hear, through some long grass and such like. You can see little rabbit paths here. Right, and then down this way. I think, now watch this, it's a bit spiky. So now there's some... She's not wrong. This is going to be painful. Oh, Lord. Right. So here we yeah. go. It's, it is not easy to get down, I have oh, to say. God. You go up one side and you're very close to the edge. You come down the other side. I don't think many people have been here for quite some time. Beth's doing her best. Are you stuck? <laughs> so it is going through some, yeah, some fairly prickly uh, blackthorn or... I think it's blackthorn. 
to get here. And the Ida duck down there has the right idea. Don't you can hear it in the background there. It sounds like Frankie Howard's on the beach. But yes, it is uh, a wee bit tricky. Right, and so after all that, we get to the end here, and here it is. It is a bit more overgrown than I remember. <clears throat> Will Beth ever believe Howard when he said this trips out like this were a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> Think of the challenge. There we go. <clears throat> and here it is, in all its glory. So, and what it is, it is a little monument which is really recessed and actually is far more overgrown than the last time I was here. It's been set into the ground, it's a little cross set into the ground, covered with lichens now, and protected by a wrought iron fence, which is, I would say, about a metre square or thereabouts, which goes right the way around it. And the cross doesn't stick out of the top, it's actually recessed, a good foot and a half into it and into the ground and is more overgrown than I remember and if we get down and have a look then I think we should be able to see it's really poignant isn't it it is isn't it and I don't know if I hold on to that be careful not go over the edge and down there there should be a date on it somewhere down there oh, there you can see it down there now gosh it's beautifully made nine can you see it? You might want to get your camera down there and see if we can actually get the date. It's on that side, isn't it? So those little green plants there. Oh, there it is. There now. Eighteen ninety-three, is it? Looks like eighteen ninety-five, maybe. Ninety-five. Yeah. And in the middle, it's under there, it's like a little Celtic cross. What's on the other side there? I can't quite see. My goodness, you think of how delicate this operation to put it here must have been. Well, yeah, I think he was the landowner, and something to do with his wife, I believe. I can't remember, it was a lady in a bustle skirt who fell over the edge here and oh, died. Gosh. Something like that, or I might be getting slightly confused. That was the story I had, and I'll see if we can find the details somewhere. Um... Oh. But it was the, uh, it's obviously a, a monument, isn't it, to, yeah. to uh, someone. I'm fairly sure it was a lady who was down here, fell off the edge, and uh, the sort of wind got under her skirt and oh, she gosh. lost her balance and went over the edge. I think um, 100 and what, 120 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it was the landowner or someone had it, put it up as a, a memorial to that. But it's, again, as you can tell, there's been precious few people down here to see it of late and you wouldn't realistically I know as we were saying before Charles Gard has been here before us and there's a few one two others but not that many and you only have to look at it now and that it is rapidly disappearing under the uh, overgrowth that was much clearer the last time I was here so it hasn't had anyone sort of you know poking around it for quite some time or certainly um, you know trimming anything to keep it back and you can see all the lichens so it's nice yeah. clear air on the side and mosses <coughs> down below and uh, yeah, there is a little, even the Celtic cross is now getting yeah, rather encrusted with moss. 
Well, be fascinating well, to know who it is, so you need to uh, go back home and delve in your bookshelf. Yes, I'm sure Charles God has done it in one of his many wonderful tomes. Yeah. Um, and so I can see if we can find it. If not, we'll have to ring him up. Well, I thought uh, oh. we could have a little toast to whoever it is. No, I know we don't know idea. the name of the person yet, but uh, yes. that would be a nice thing to do. Oh, nice idea. Right. Are you going to open it then? Are you going to take it back up top? Do you think we should take it back up top in case it gets really dark and we can't get back up there in the dark? Good thinking. Right. right. But there we are. That's uh, a real one of wonderment. And, yeah, it's, it's part of your wonders why it's here. And I think anything where we've been before places like the Corrin's Tower and you see all those plaques on the inside that no one ever sees... All those inscriptions carefully been written down and annotated by Jeff Neen, and I'm sure others have put the records down, but unless you are fortunate enough to get into the tower, no one ever sees them. And this is the same. Here's a monument which has been put, not for people to see almost, but almost just as a private memorial. A lot of trouble gone into putting it here, and here it is 120 years later still there, and I wouldn't mind betting we're the first people in a couple of years to be down here. There's no real sign of anyone being anywhere close, so... That said, there's a man on his way down now. No, I think he's just walking his dog. <laughs> you don't need to keep my cackles in, you know that, don't you? The cackles are the best part of the programme. <laughs> it's, that's the only one we get to comment about, your cackling. Someone said the other day, the entire programme talks about Howard Quinn muttering and Beth Gatsby cackling. Yes, we'll say no more. Um, now, we were promised by one Howard Kane that he would have more mm. information about this monument down at Neobble. I've got the book. Um, because he believed that in The Wonders of Man, A Guide to the Curious Places and Mysterious Features of the Isle of Man by Charles Gard, that there was something about this monument at Neobble. Yes, yes. Been right through it. There's nothing in here. At least I've got the book. I know it is in one of Charles's 880 books <laughs> he's brought out over the last 10 years, to say nothing of the 56 videos all yeah. Feature length, all excellent, of course. I have seen it somewhere, and I know I've mentioned it to Charles before, and he said, oh, yes, yes, I did that in 1946. But I grant you, it's not there. We'll just have to phone him, get him in, and he can explain all. I hope that will happen before the end of the series. But if you have any information, we would love to hear it. You can email me, BethSB at ManxRadio.com, or Howard Kane with an E at ManxRadio.com. And, uh, yeah, any information gratefully received and on that one. And to see, of course, watch that video, because you get a nice video which gave you a really good idea of what it was all about. Yeah, that video will be available on the Manx Radio Facebook page and shows just how precarious that spot is. But it is incredibly poignant, as we say. One. This is Tamagindis on Manx Radio and time now to talk about a significant anniversary because last Friday it was 160 years since someone very, very important in Manx cultural life was born. Not much is known about her though, so I went to see Dr Brisha Madrill at Culture Vannin to find out more about. Sophia Morrison, who was um, a really important person for Manx culture. She was an author, a writer, an educator. She's a cultural activist. She's somebody who believed that Manx culture was really, really important and that you should teach it to young people in particular and they should pass it on to future generations. And how unusual was that, that belief at that time that she was living? Well, she was part of a wider movement. So um, during the 19th century, people were starting to get interested in Manx things. They were starting to piece things together for the first museum. Um, but that idea that 
the language is important, the music and the dance are important, the folklore, the traditions, that all came to a head through the formation of the Manx Language Society in Cheshire Gilgach, which also celebrates a fantastic anniversary um, this year, I think their 120th anniversary, and she was the secretary to the organisation, so she was pulling strings, writing to people, trying to persuade them, and it's that role that I think was very important but it's quite unusual for a woman to be that influential at the time. As a nation now, do you think we know enough about her? Because I know speaking to, to lots of people, they've never ever even heard of her. No, most people seem to know her because of her very famous book, Manx Fairy Tales, and they just think, oh, it's just some woman who writes some little fairy stories. But there were stories that she collected from different people um, and... They're really important because they carry a lot of cultural messages. They've got elements of Manx Gaelic in there. They've got the dialect, the Anglo-Manx or Manx English dialect, the way people speaking, the rhythms of speech. They've got little names and patterns there to do with different places. So that's really important. But she did so much more as well. Um, And it's something I think the children in the schools are learning about her a lot more through the Manx curriculum that the Department of Education, Sport and Culture delivers. But probably the wider public needs to um, find out a little bit more about her too. And what do we know about her personal life? She was an incredibly shy person. This is why she's quite remarkable. She um, was somebody, she stayed single for all of her life. She had good friends. She had good friends in other Celtic countries. She travelled quite a bit. She comes from a very well-established family in Peel, the Morrisons, and um, she's interested in everything from herring fishing and all the traditions there to the language. She was a musician, she played the violin, um, so she was interested in teaching songs to people. I think she even played golf. So she really was quite a remarkable woman for her time. And how old was she when she died? Oh, I don't remember things like that. I don't remember I don't remember dates and I don't remember ages. She was quite young. She died of cancer. Um, and I think when she died, people talked about a light having gone out and they worried that that was it because she had been the linchpin of so many things because she had been writing to people and persuading people and actually going out and doing things so she was going to schools to make sure that they knew how to sing songs in Manx that they were putting into the class in the guild that the Manx Language Society in Cheshire Gilgach had formed so They were really doing their bit to educate people, to spread the word and spread the love of Manx culture. I wonder, from your point of view, how it feels really to be walking in her footsteps, aren't you? Oh, well, all of us are really lucky that we live in a different time. So Manx culture is much more widely accepted. It's much more known about. It's something that we can be proud of as a a unique thing. You know, the Isle of Man's the only place that has Manx Gaelic and has Manx culture, so we can shout about it proudly. And what I really admire is they're doing it at a time when it's quite difficult. And they're doing it during the First World War as well, when really it's a big tension between do they feel British, do they feel Manx? Um, And they managed to do both at the same time and they managed to keep things going. And one of her journals, Manon, the Journal of the Manx Language Society, It's a wonderful book. It brings together articles from academics and researchers and then there might be um, a beautiful picture from an artist, there might be um, some music in there, there'll be some folklore, there'll be some creative writing. So that idea that Manx culture is made up of so many different elements, she was bringing that together. 
Um, so, yeah, I think we're really lucky that people like her trod the path first. That's Dr. Brisha Madrill from Culture Vanin. And uh, so much more to learn about Sophia Morrison. She is most famous, of course, for that fairy tales book. I understand she is buried in Peel Cemetery. My middle child actually told me that because they learned about her at school. So I might go and find her gravestone, see what's written on there. See if you can find out a little bit more about her, maybe. Hmm, I wonder. Now, every week we like to do these little challenges, the ones you see on YouTube, how if you're of a certain age, as I keep saying. This week, oh, I'll just play it. So here we are then in the Max Radio kitchen once more and we are preparing for our Tamagindis challenge. Howard is holding a large Ziploc bag. Yes, indeed. So it's another one of these, uh, someone commented so kindly on Facebook, as they do from time to time about, what's this all about? Well, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's pondering what you can do. And these are all things you can see online, or, like I said, how was the one I remember. So, if I fill this plastic bag with water, can I stick a pencil through it without it leaking? (laughs) I'm going to say no, because you're putting a hole in the bag, therefore the water will surely come out of the hole. Yeah. That's what I think. Should we do it over your head? (laughs) Not, Not falling for that one again. It worked last time, didn't it? Right, here we go, then. We fill this with water and see how it goes. I've not tried this before, so... That always fills me with such hope when you say things like that. Now you filled the bag, a sort of just about half full. Okay. What I'd really love now is for it to completely disintegrate everywhere. (laughs) I was thinking that, yeah. What do you reckon? So, do we have any votes? So, I've got some pencils. Yeah? How's this going to work, do you reckon? I don't know. Any votes? It's very exciting. Okay, ready? So, can you get it that way? You got Let's it see then? what happens. Ready? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise you were leaving the pencil in it. <laughs> well, you did, I didn't say that. What do you reckon, though? It's still. You would yeah, think, actually, yeah, wouldn't you, that it would. So there's one pencil in. Oh, a little bit came out there, but two pencils in. That's not bad, though, Not it? bad. Not bad. You would expect some of the water to trickle out. Yeah. I think it's pretty good, actually. You would think somehow that it would actually pee out, wouldn't you? But it doesn't, actually. And have you got any explanation to this? <clears throat> Is it magic? <laughs> so what happens if you take one of the pencils out? Oh, Shall I give it a go? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very good. Right. Well, that works. Okay, I'm just going to leave you here now with that bag. What what is the answer then? (laughs) Well, of course, you can let us know if you know the exact answer. Someone's bound to know the exact answer. I think it's something to do with polymers in plastic, and when you push it through, it actually seals around the pencil. Uh, but when you take it out, obviously it doesn't close all the way down again and the wood comes out and the air comes through and the air sealed inside. But I'm fairly sure it's something to do with that. But someone might know better. Suffice to say, that's not bad, though, is it? You, think, you would think it would actually yeah. go all over the place, wouldn't you? You can do the same, I'm told, I haven't tried, with a balloon. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't want to try that. I don't do you want to try that? Maybe next week. OK. <clears throat> I'm just going to say, I hope no one's just tuned in now because that did rather sound like you were having a pee in the background there. Uh, just like to point out he wasn't. Ma- oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you think. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Yes, uh, another challenge next week. That video will also be available on Mike's Radio to say, Facebook someone page. someone said, oh, it doesn't work on radio. That Well, no, that's just to give you the flavour. And, and go and take a look at the video and see what you think. Always happy to hear a comment. And if you've got a great one, give it to us. Now, you heard me talking to Dr. Brisha Madrill from Culture Vanin a little while ago. And while I was there, it got me thinking about all the things there are to ponder about in St. John's. So I also caught up with someone else. I'm in St. John's on a beautiful sunny morning with James Franklin from Culture Vanin. And I'm just going to say, first of all, this is take two for an interview with you, James, <laughs> because um, we did a Tammy Guinness interview down at Niarbal in uh, what we believe is a cave for themselves. And the recording disappeared. Do you have any explanation? Yeah, it's definitely the little fellas doing geel on us. That's what would have happened. We wouldn't want the information to get out. And so that was that. And get out it hasn't so it is going to remain a secret but we are here in St John's and the heart of Culture Vannin uh, the home here that you have just across the road and I'm guessing there must be so many tales in this place Oh yeah, as like the central uh, well, centre of the Isle of Man, politically and geographically there's so many stories all around this area and one I particularly like is from Sophia Morrison And that's quite significant because uh, her birthday celebrated on May the 24th or the anniversary, I think 160 years since her death. Um, What's the tale then? This is how the king, uh, how the wren became king of all birds. And so back in the day, all the birds gathered together at Timald Hill, of course, this is where you'd gather. And they all had a good um, argument between them as to who would be king of all birds. And then finally they decided, or the eagle decided, that the way they should do it is to see who can fly the highest and so we all set off straight up here straight up in the sky and they flew and flew and the eagle at last saw that everyone else was below him and he shouted out i'm the king of all birds but just then the sneaky little wren jumped out from under his wing wing and flew that yard or two higher and said i'm the king of all birds and they say and so it was that the wren became king of all birds. But they say that that is why at Hunt the Wren, when the song finishes, the wren, the wren, the king of all birds. That's why it is that we're hunting the wren on the 26th of December. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? Do you go out hunting the wren? Of course. And you do too? Yeah, we go. Um, it's Howard actually got me into this. So uh, it's just a great way of celebrating the excesses of Christmas isn't it in a sort of a, a nice way going around from house to house but um, yeah to be honest I'd never really thought about the, the meaning of the song before it is interesting and if you read around these sorts of things um, you'll see that often if you're a king for the day and you're also killed often these sorts of things point back to some sort of sacrificial beginnings where you are built up to be something amazing and then you're sacrificed and so perhaps Hunt the Wren in this story is pointing back to something very far back and slightly sinister. Gosh. So we're standing just at the foot of Timwald Hill here, and this whole area, as I say, is, is really significant. Do we know what went on here hundreds of years ago? Um, well, hundreds of years ago. Um, this is Timwald has been going on here since, we think, before the Vikings came here. We think that Vi- um, Timwald Day and Timwald Gatherings were always were for a long time going on here and we know that this is a very significant site before um, Viking times as we say because there's lots and lots of um, pre-Christian burials all around here including the giant's grave which is just behind here. 
Ah, now the giant's grave. I'm going to save that one for next week, but that is another thing of wonder in St. John's. There's so many things to wonder about in St. John's. It's a, it is a wonder, as they say, speaking about giants. And just down the road in Glen Helen, something we're investigating as well. Uh, a zoo there? Does that ring any bells with you? We're trying to find out more on that one. Intrigued. Do let us know if you know of a zoo. Not now, we see, but at Glen Helen. Not one I've come across before, but there was one, apparently. Now then, it is time to have a rummage and part of the programme I think we really enjoy every week. There's a wonderful archive up here at Max Radio of tapes and CDs and records and vinyl and wax cylinders and goodness knows what. It's a real sort of oral archive, as it were, history of the Isle of Man through Manx Radio over the years. Each week, one of us takes a turn, go in, have a rummage, produce a cassette, a mini-disc or a wax cylinder and see what we've got. So, um, right, I will lean over here and push the button and I'll get the case. And I can tell you this is from the 1950s. 1956. Mark, the Ushag Ving Junior Choir, and that was Margaret Luthwaite, 1956, would you believe? Just lovely hearing that. What an amazing piece of history. It is. Um, I thought it was a choir I was in, so I realised <laughs> it was just a bit too early. But that's the uh, a miracle of the stuff at the archives. You just don't know all manner of things which come up. And, yes... Is Margaret still around? Some of the juniors won't be so junior, I dare say, now. I dare say they won't be, but we will be back next week. Really do hope you can join us. Look after yourselves.